Welcome to Lights at the End of the Tunnel, a place where we shine a light on, rant, complain, and try to find solutions about the MGA. After all, we are all in these tin cans together. Welcome back to Lights at the End of the Tunnel. Glad to have you back. Episode 26, recorded March 16th, 2019. This is yet another very important episode, and I hope to have more, many more like it. I would like it to become a regular feature. Today, we are talking about accessibility, or the lack of it, regarding the MTA. It's important to share these stories, and I want to get as many stories out there as possible, because everyone matters. New York City has 472 subway stations, and how many of those subway stations do you think are accessible? 118 are accessible, which means 22% are accessible, which is appalling. Staten Island Railway has 21 stations and five are accessible, which means 24% are accessible. LIRR has 124 stations and 104 are accessible, which means 84%, which is better. Metro North has 124 stations and 79 are accessible, which is 64%. Overall, the MTA train stations across all lines are 40% accessible. This is appalling and shameful and embarrassing. On the plus side, all buses are accessible. However, they are slow and cumbersome. Despite the myriad of problems associated with the subway, and there are many, it is the easiest way to get around the boroughs. On this episode, I speak with Dustin Jones. Dustin is a disability rights activist and president and founder of United for Equal Access New York. He is also a board member of Center for Independence of the Disabled New York. Longtime listeners will remember my interview with Monica Bartley from Sydney. It was episode five. If you haven't heard it after you listen to this episode, you should listen to that one. Today we are discussing the MTA and accessibility or the lack of it. We will discuss the difficulties of navigating the subway, lack of elevators and associated issues, plus buses, Accessoride, the Ride Hail app. We will discuss the current system, how it is, and what needs to happen in order for the system to improve. After my conversation with Dustin, I will have a summary of what we learned from Dustin and some thoughts regarding the lack of accessibility, followed by contact information for Dustin and myself. I hope you find this podcast to be informative and helpful. Please enjoy. Today I'm speaking with Dustin Jones. Dustin is a disability rights activist and president and founder of United for Equal Access New York. He's also a board member of Center for Independence of the Disabled New York. Longtime listeners will remember my interview with Monica Bartley from Sydney. It was episode five. And if you haven't heard it after this episode, you should listen to that one too. Today we're discussing the MTA 
and accessibility or the lack of it. I want to do this podcast because it's important that these stories be heard. They need to be heard so we can all help make positive change. Thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you. I am so happy to be here. And yes, please listen to Monica Bartley. Great episode. How did you get involved in community activism and advocacy? Excellent. Well, not because of that. It was excellent, though. I do love my advocacy. So I got into advocacy um, in 2013. Uh, in March of 2011, I had an um, accident. Um, I lost part of my uh, foot in a surgical accident. And uh, after that happened, I fell into a really big depression because I started to see how my life was changing and not at that time in a good way. Um, I was barely able to travel around the way I wanted to. All of my favorite stores that um, I frequented, I couldn't go in them anymore. And um, it was really just annoying to me. I don't know, I'm trying to see how you're going to edit this. So well, we're sure. not going to edit it. We're outside. Oh, okay. You know, okay. We're, not so gonna, we're, we're live. We're live. <laughs> well, you do. You know, the thing is, is like I like to have conversations as they happen. If people are more relaxed that way, yes. we're outside in Williamsburg. Yes, I want to definitely give a shout out to uh, Martha's Country Bakery. Yeah, Martha's Country Bakery for allowing us to record. Yes, but um, definitely, like I was, like I was saying, um, just a change in um, in my lifestyle. You know, like I said, just trying to travel around, um, being limited to what I can do. I remember complaining about it. Call three one one. Um, I spoke to my um, local elected officials. I really tried to see if I could do something in my neighborhood. And then as I started to venture out, I started to notice that this wasn't just a neighborhood issue. It was turning into a citywide issue. And I couldn't understand how was that possible and why it was even happening with um, all these people with disabilities. And, you know, how is it that New York, the greatest city on earth, really, is supposed to be inviting when you can't even go across the street without constantly either breaking a chair or breaking a foot. Um, after a while of not being heard, I um, contacted a dear friend of mine. She became a dear friend of mine, Jean Ryan. We uh, met on the internet and I started talking about um, different issues I had and um, we agreed on a lot of things and we felt passionate about a lot of issues and that's when I dedicated myself you know, since then, uh, to, uh, at the time it was August of, uh, 2013, to really join the fight in advocacy and try to bring change for people with disability at the time in New York, and now I'm really interested in everywhere. If, if, if there's a place on earth that where there's accessible issues, I want to be a part of it, and I want to help people find change and make it better for them. That's great. As you should, really. We're all in this spinning sphere together. Absolutely. And we're all in these tin cans together. Absolutely. So let's get to it. The MTA has 472 stations and only 22% are accessible. Mm. All of these elevators were a direct result of lawsuits and protests. It had to be demanded. It wasn't voluntary by the MTA. What are your thoughts on the MTA's constant pushback regarding elevators at stations? Uh, yeah, so a lot of these uh, lawsuits were bought up by many advocacy groups, Sydney being one of them. Um, it is a sad thing what's happening here in New York City. And it's really sad that the MTA just continues to find ways to uh, leave out 
and downright disrespect the disability community. Access is a civil right, and it should never be a civil right versus money issue. And that's what the MTA has turned it into. I feel the fact that the MTA, which is supposed to be here for the public, the fact that they have to be sued to provide better service and to be provide better access to their customers shows what kind of organization that they're running, and it's sad and pathetic. Yes, I wish that they would understand that they are in the service industry and they are in service to us. Exactly. And so they need you, to do better. They, they really need to. I should point out that Chicago is nearly 100% accessible, as is Boston. They all have accessible features, but in terms of elevators, they're almost 100% there because in 1990, when the ADA passed, they made real strides to become accessible to everybody. Yes, thank and you I, to George H.W. Bush. Yeah. I'd also like to point out that Boston is older than us, so when people say New York is old, Boston's older, yet they managed to do it. Exactly, and a quick shout out for San Francisco. I was there in 2018, and I had the privilege to ride and get a tour of the BART system, and they too, with problems with uh, maintenance upkeep, but the fact that they have 100% accessibility, it shows how committed they are and what you can do when everybody's playing and rooting for the same cause. It is very, it is great that other municipalities have figured this out. It's a shame that we haven't, but hopefully we'll get there. Absolutely. Let's talk about these elevators. For the 22% that do exist, what are they like? Are they functional? Are they clean? Have you ever been stuck in one? Um, functional, barely. Clean, minimal. Stuck in them, regularly. What's it like when you get stuck in them? So for someone like me, I am a uh, anxiety sufferer, so it's 10 times worse. Mm -hmm. I don't like the uh, feeling of being caged in. Right. Um, it's, it's dark, it's, well not, well not dark saying that there's no light, but for me in my mind, the way I presume it, being an um, anxiety sufferer, it's a dark, lonely feeling. Yeah. Even when I'm with people, um, it's, you, you don't know what's gonna happen, you don't know if you're gonna get out. This is what I'm thinking in my mind. Um, you're lucky if you even have a, a chance to get better phone signal because sometimes that is a real thing where you have to be delayed because you're trying to run around the car to find a um, signal. There was a point in time uh, sometime last year where I was unable to ride the subway without having the assistance of the NYPD and the FDNY and what I mean by that is um, multiple times a week throughout the city four of the five boroughs. I'm riding around doing activist work, visiting friends and family, just living life, and encountered elevators that I either got stuck in or I was already in a station and couldn't get out. And I've had to call 911 or pending on what station I was in, if there was a police officer available, flag them down, explain to them my situation, and they've had to shut down certain sections of the station to carry me, yeah. me in my chair. And I'm not, you know, for those of you who don't know me, I'm not, you know, the world's biggest person, but I'm not the world's smallest person either. Right. You know, I, me and my chair together is 295 pounds. So you, you, it's about six guys to, to carry me up and down the stairs. Um, sometimes it's gotten to the point where I couldn't find, you know, a police officer or I didn't want to call um, the FDNY and I've asked random strangers to help me. And I've had to then come out of my chair 
and um, sometimes I deal with swelling issues in my foot, so I don't wear my prosthetic all the time because I am an amputee. I'm missing my foot. Um, so I would have to butt slide up the dirty stairs or hop while a random stranger is carrying my chair up or down the stairs. And, you know, with the unfortunate events of Malaysia Goodson, yes. who would have thought, you know, that somebody doing that would have could lose their life? Now, here I am asking a complete stranger or asking the men and the women of the uh, FDNY and the NYPD to literally now put their lives on the line because the MTA can't get their system in order. That is that is a problem. And Malaysia Goodson fell down the stairs carrying her child. Yes, exactly. Exactly, and, and, and it's so and sad. Unfortunately, her daughter wasn't harmed, but her, her, her daughter doesn't have a mother anymore. I, I felt so bad when I heard that story, and, and I kept saying to myself, and I kept saying to people who would listen, I am Malaysia Goodson because I've been there where I've had to be carried. I've been there where I've had to close my eyes and the fear of thinking that these men and women were going to drop me, you know, or, you know, why are we going through that? Why, why is it that in this city where we already have high rent, we, we have bad transportation, and now we have no access and you have people with, you know, disabilities, you have parents, mothers and fathers with their babies coming up and down staircases with strollers. You know, you got the elderly, you know, who, who have no choice depending on where they are but to come to go downstairs to ride the subway we we got to do better we do have to do that because elevators are for everybody and everybody's affected when there's lack of accessibility exactly and then i even think about the workers i i i, I ride 125th a lot <clears throat> that's my um, neighborhood uh east 125th street on the four five and six line and i see these uh men and women and they push these big i want to say containers of garbage yeah. And I'm like, well, what do you do if this elevator is out? Going up the stairs is not an option, but then you have to do your job because if you leave the station looking a certain way, you can be reprimanded. So what do you do when you have a situation where you're carrying um, a mop and water and a bucket or pushing this big crate and there's no elevator? What do, what do you do? That's amazing. Well, you know, they clean the trains every eight to ten weeks, and I um, just assume that the same schedule is for the elevators, because anytime I've, I have been in them a couple of times, and speaking to other people, it's just filthy, and it smells like urine and sometimes feces, and it's just, it's, it's a mess. I use a manual wheelchair, and that means I'm using my hands to, yeah. to ambulate. I don't necessarily wear gloves all the time because I run through them so much, something like my eye and um <laughs> you know with that being said i'm constantly no i don't know what that is i constantly i'm pushing and i'm running into god knows what you know and a lot of times you know i've i've seen feces i've seen live feces in the elevator cars i've seen urine i've seen water and and the liquids are the worst because you really don't know what they are and you have no choice you, you have no choice. You can't just take another elevator because normally it's just that one elevator that goes up to the mezzanine or the street. And if it's working, it becomes a barrier. What do you think when millions are spent to rehab stations and, there, and no elevator was even considered? There was nothing more frustrating and disrespecting than having millions of dollars spent on a renovation and once again leaving out the people with disabilities community. 
and pushing us to the, to, to the sidelines like we don't matter. Parkchester, Moshulu Parkway in the Bronx, you know, all of these stations have been, you know, rehabilitated, you know, in the fairly recent years. They have a whole bunch of accessible features, but no elevator, no way to get to the, uh, the train. How does somebody sign off on that as a construction worker and a, and a supervisor and say, okay, Mr. Mayor, Mr. Governor, Mr. President of the MTA, this is what you wanted, this is what we did, we're signing off as finished. And then you're saying you're serving the community, you're serving the public. We are the public, we are the community. We work, we go to school, we go to the doctors, we do social outings, we have the right to travel around like everybody else with minimal to no problems when it comes to access. I should point out that Smith and 9th Street in Brooklyn is the tallest station in the boroughs. Took two years to rehab that spot. No elevator was even considered. And when you talk to them about it, they have no real answer of why that is. It's frustrating. It is. And if you want to go to the MTA accessibility page, you can look at all the elevators currently under maintenance, which is pretty much all of them. Literally. Given time. Literally. I've complained about so many different stations. I have a list of stations that I know that I will not go to because the elevators are notoriously out. It's almost never proven wrong. And I publicize them often. But yet and still, I find them still being out of service and having the same silly problems like they have been having prior to me making these complaints. I mean, what are the, I mean, seriously, what are the emotional costs of not being able to traverse this city? Just being able to go hang out with your friends, you know, having difficulties getting to work. Just the normal stuff everybody else has, you know, issues with when you take the train and whatnot. But for people with mobility issues, it's a bigger cost than the rest of us. It, it, it could send you into a panic attack. I mean, when you're on a schedule, you have to give yourself more time than usual when you're a person with a disability. But then, when the unexpected happens and you run into a station that has an elevator but it's broken, you're starting to get anxiety. I'm going to be late. My, my friends are waiting for me. I have to pick up my child. You know, work. Your boss is going to only listen to the elevator's out of service but for so long. You know, this it, it, it's costing money, it's costing people's times, you know, if you're late to your babysitter, now you have to pay that babysitter more for your, for your child care. You know, if you're late for your, your studies at class, now you missed out on either half or all of a class, and now you, you can't, you know, when it comes to your exams, you don't know what you're studying. And it has a, a huge effect, and, and it's, it's frustrating. What do you do if a train stalls, or heaven forbid there's a fire on the tracks, and the train stops at a station without an elevator? What do you do? What, how do you handle that type of situation? It's a, it's, a crazy, it's a crazy question, in a way, because I think about stuff like that every time I get on the train. Yeah. Um, one time I got on the train, and I was on the two train, something was going on at Grand Central, and I was on 135th Street, right underneath Harlem Hospital. And there was significant delays. And they, as a matter of fact, now that I mention it, I was not under Harlem Hospital. I was under, um, I think it was the station prior to that. But there was no elevator. And they came on and they gave an announcement and they said, you know, we're going to be here for a significant amount of time. 
Um, there's something going on, a medical emergency. You know, please be patient. And I watched half this car empty out and take the stairs. And I'm sitting here like, well, what options do I have? I'm either going to stay here or I'm going to stay here. And then, you know, in the past 10 years, we've had, you know, minor train derailments. You know, we've had the A train a couple years ago derail. We've had the F train, you know, derail a couple years ago. Yeah, and it makes me wonder. So if there was a fire, we track fire with garbage, you know, that they've been doing campaigns about that. I've always wondered what happens to me if my train derails slightly and we have to self-evacuate in a tunnel and the next station has no elevator. Or forget the fact that even if it does have an elevator, how are you going to get someone like me in a wheelchair or even someone in a motorized wheelchair onto the tracks, have me navigate the tracks in the dark tunnel to then how are you going to hoist me over onto the platform and then evacuate me? I pray every single day that I take the train that God protects me and nothing happens because if something does, I don't think in a mass panic, I mean New Yorkers are awesome, but I don't think that anybody's going to really think about, you know, they're going to save their own ass, let's just say it like that. They're going to save their own ass. Nobody's going to take that split second to be like, hey, what happened to him? They're going to be thinking about my, my loved ones, my family. So what happens to me now? It's it's a question and it's a safety concern. Not too many people think about that, but you really have to think about that. If you are a person with a disability and there is an emergency where there has to be an evacuation and in some cases a self-evacuation before the, the reinforcements come, what do you do? Yeah, it's it's it. Ha- well, once when there was a there was a fire, and unfortunately we exited out of station, and there was a guy in my car who was in a wheelchair, and I was and I and I just started asking dudes. I was just like, we need to get him to street level. Yeah. So it's like, fortunately he was in a manual and he wasn't a big dude, and mm. they managed to get him up there. But then I thought to myself, well, what happens now? Yeah. Where's the bus? Yeah. Well, who can who can take it? So it's just like it's all this like. Well, now what? I can just you know run over to the next train station, no big whoop. Yeah. But this gentleman right here, I mean, where's the next bus stop for him? Yeah. It's like I don't even know where we are right now. So it's like we get up there, it's like you may have to make your assessment. So it's just like exactly. this is this is a lie. Exactly. That no one's really thought about. And no one's continuing to think about this. Which they really do. What do you think of the hire of Alex Alagudin? Do you think it's a positive step in the right direction? I know Alex very well. Um, it's a step in the pos- It's a step in the in a positive way, where it's great to see people with disabilities in a leadership role in a high-ranking position at a place like the MTA. How much power and say so is given? I have no idea. There's a lot of advocacy that needs to be done when it comes to keeping the MTA honest about accessibility. I don't think that it's being done correctly. I think we need strong advocates and we need strong partners in the MTA to just say, hey, 
Tell me what is it that your community is saying and how can I deliver it? Not, we're going to put you here and, you know, we're going to, I guess, to me it seems almost like it's like a good faith issue. Do you think that maybe they should get Sydney and include New York and ARC and whatnot in like a panel of some sort and work together in some sort of conference for accessibility issues so they know the real issue? With that, partner with them. They they have a that. they have a new committee yeah. that I've been thinking about applying for. Okay. Um, but one of the things that holds me back is this gonna be for real? Is this gonna be real advocates getting picked with real ideas, with with, with real change? Are we really gonna be listened to, or are we just gonna get? Are we gonna get placed into a position? just to say that we are in that position, but then when it comes to decision making, you're still gonna do what you wanna do, and to hell what we think about or what we're saying. That's what I think is happening now, and I feel like, unless I'm proven differently, I think this is what we're heading into. Right, well let's talk about the recent decision by um, the judiciary regarding excessive, regarding elevators. How if you are going to rehab station, you have to put in an elevator unless you can prove that it's not structurally sound to put in an elevator, which is great. Finally, somebody's saying that you can't keep doing this anymore. Yeah, that, that is so great. I wonder if it's retroactive because it's like, you know. I, I hope so. I, I hope this is a, um, a change that is going to be sweeping New York City. I have been advocating about certain stations across the city that I feel like um, they should have that they should have elevators there. Mashulu Parkway in the Bronx and Broadway Junction in Queens, Woodhaven Boulevard in, in Queens, excuse me, Broadway Junction is actually in Brooklyn. Um, these are a few stations that I've been advocating about and what have I been told since 2013? It's not feasible, it's not feasible, it's not feasible. What the hell does that mean? What work did you go out and do to see that it can't be done? Show me the study. Show me the study, show me the proof, Show it, show it to me from someone who doesn't have a buy-in to the MTA. Show me an unbiased outside source and then tell me it can't be done. And then we'll talk. <laughs> Let's talk about accessorized. Oh, Stressorized. I don't hear the most positive things overall about it from booking 24 to 48 hours in advance to no-shows. What is your experience with Accessorized? What happens if they don't show up? I'm just gonna be me. Okay. Accessorize the shit. Okay. It really is. Well, that's what I've heard. Yeah, it's shit. And the reason why I say that is that it is designed to fail. I think that the people above who make the decisions about Accessoride don't care about what happens to Accessoride. I myself have stopped using Accessoride regularly in 2015. I had enough. I just could not do it because, first of all, I got to call you 24 to 48 hours in advance to make a trip. Yeah. Then on the day of the trip, you still want a 30-minute grace period that you violate horribly. Then, when I get on, you're giving me what I like to call, and some of the people call it the same thing too, the 275 tour. When I first started using Accessoride, I was living in a place called Queens Village. Okay. And I was traveling back and forth to the city, doing rehab, going to doctor's appointments. And 
if I had a nine o'clock appointment in the morning, I'm getting picked up at 540. That's 540 crazy. with maybe six or five of my closest new friends <laughs> who are all scattered around the, 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 the other boroughs. So I'm going from Queens. Including Queen, Staten Island. Everybody. Including Staten Island. I'm going from Queens, where I'm getting picked up at, to then Brooklyn, to then, you know, sometimes the Bronx, even Staten Island, then, then dropping off. Then, and everybody has to get off at 9, at, at, at nine o'clock. How are you going to drop off a bus full of people going to different locations across the city at 9 o'clock. And then coming back, you mentioned Staten Island. One of the worst stories I think I had ever heard, I had just gotten out of surgery. It was the second attempt to try to save my foot. And I remember that I got out, I got on the bus at 4.10. And, in the morning? No, excuse me, 4.10 in the evening. Um, I never got back to my home at the time in Queens Village until 8.30. We had to pick up someone in the city whose bus broke down, which was very common at that time with accessoride, poor maintenance, um, pick up that person, drop them off in Staten Island, almost towards the Bayonne Bridge, then drive all the way back in rush hour traffic to Queens Village, Nassau County border. Wow, that's crazy. Literally, four hours. That's a lot, oh my God. Violating their own policy about how long you're even entitled to be on the bus. Because they have a breakdown depending on well, how far, that? I don't know it off the top of my head, but I know depending on how far you're going, the mileage, and what time you get picked up, they have a certain, they got a certain window where they legally have to get you off of the bus. So like, like if you're going like maybe like four miles away, they'll give you like an estimated window of like maybe like an hour and a half, two hours. After that, you really shouldn't be on the bus. Okay. They constantly violate that as well. I did not, I did not know yeah. that. There, I did not know yeah, that. Yeah, when you sign up for Accessoride and they tell you your so-called rights, I love it. They tell you the rights that you have as a passenger, which they violate. And that's the breakdown of it. That's one of the things. They tell you how long an estimated ride should be based off of when you got on, where you're going, and, you know, the distance and mileage. Yeah. That's crazy. Have you used the MTA's Ride Hail app? I've read that people actually like that. It's actually been very useful. What are your thoughts on the possible discontinuation of the service? The eHail pilot program is literally the best thing that, access, that transit has done for people with disabilities since they started giving out free Metro cards a couple years ago. Mm -hmm. It's a great service. It's providing a hole where Accessoride obviously can't. It's giving us a chance to travel on demand, which we have never had. There, there is no on-demand way of traveling if you are a person with a disability other than, than taking public transportation. You, you, you go on your phone or you call up and you get an accessible taxi in real time to you and you go anywhere you want. You can get up on a Saturday and say, you know what, I'm going to be a bum, I'm going to have a lazy day. One of your friends can call and say, hey, something's coming on over here, let's go check it out. And then you can say, you know what, let me do that. Prior to that, you would have to be like, oh man, this is going on in Brooklyn and, and I'm in Queens, I, I'm sorry, call me in ahead of time next time because I, I can't do that. Also, 
it's helping the uh, the taxi business because there are so many men and women that I've talked to in the TLC, yellow and green, who have constantly talked about, ironically, in 2011 when Uber came along, and then other, you know, e-hail ride-sharing groups came along. They constantly talked about how we're losing money. And I've had drivers tell me if it wasn't for Accessoride making this, uh, this, this program possible, they don't know what they would have done. This is putting money back into their pockets where they can feed their families and try to live a decent lifestyle. If you take this away from us, you take away money from these men and women and their families and you give and you take away the, the freedom that we have to travel like everybody else. It's literally, it's, it's heartbreaking. Um, it says in the newspaper when I read it that, that they were going to do it. And I heard that they wasn't going to do it. I heard that they were going to um, find ways to modify it. You know. I mean, it's a really good thing they've come up with for, in years. Literally. And literally. It's, like it, it's, it's a win-win. Like, it's like, you know, it's like... It takes a lot of the anxiety out because it your, friend, does. your friend calls you up to go, let's go have waffles at the diner. You can go, okay, cool, I'll, Ex be, I'll be there in an hour and a half. Exactly. When we decided to get together for this um, podcast, remember, it was after, well after 5 o'clock yeah. yesterday. Yeah. Had this been um, on Accessoride, I couldn't have done it. I couldn't have done it. Yeah. I would have either, excuse me, I would, even, I would either have to travel on my own all the way out here which is not a problem, but then sometimes, you know, it takes a lot out on you, and then who knows what kind of elevator issues I would have ran into, especially on a weekend where they're doing so much maintenance anyway. You know, I would have had to told you, okay, well, you know what? Since it's way after 5 o'clock and Accessoride won't let you make trips after 5 o'clock for whatever God-given reason, we would have to wait till either Sunday or Monday to get this done. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not fair. That's crazy. Let's talk about the buses. Ah, the buses. <laughs> they are 100% accessible with ramps. Yay! However, the bus lanes are clogged with other traffic other than buses. Yes. How difficult is it to, to travel when the buses can't make it to the curb? It, the bus is a very, very unique animal. People with disabilities have so many issues, uh, wheelchair users particularly, with, uh, when it comes to the buses. Um, you have drivers who don't curb the bus. Um, before they switched to our predominantly low floor buses, you were having constant breakdowns of the lift. I have been rescued off of um, the old school buses with the lift by the FDNY because they've gotten stuck. I've had to wait on buses because they had to fix it first because something went wrong. Um, it's, it's difficult. It, it makes it so much harder to travel by bus you, you also have cars illegally parked in bus stops which also to the bus driver's defense you know it makes it difficult for them right. um, I think there needs to be a wide range of education when it comes to people not parking in bus stops and there needs to be enforcement of that. Well, Bill de Blasio said he was going to start enforcing the bus lanes, but that was like two months ago. Yeah, Bill de Blasio says a lot of things. Yeah, Bill de Blasio says a lot of things. In fact, right now, I think he's in South Carolina uh, or in Iowa or New Hampshire. I'm not really sure. He's not constantly taking field trips outside. Of yeah, he should stay where he is because right now, it's a sense of calm in the city when he's not here. <laughs> it, it really is. Like He's not very good at mayor. Uh, he's not really good at a lot of things. But... You know, 
it, it's it's frustrating because he's supposed to be the the champion mayor. Right. He's supposed to be that guy who's gonna end the tale of two cities. How long has he been mayor? Many years and nothing's gone. To and I still feel like I'm that one percent person. Or the, 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 the you know, 99, 99% excuse me, the, the, I wish I was the 1%. Yeah. I was, I'm the 99% of people who are still dealing with the same issues that I, that we've talked about when he started and complained about. Yeah, it's great. Uh, we're not gonna break that. <laughs> so it's just like, he's, he does say a lot of things, but hopefully he'll actually get around to it. It's been a couple of months and they're still like, FedEx guys and everybody in there. Yeah, it, it's it's annoying. I mean, it, if you have a person, and you know, this is like I, I've been talking a lot about people with wheelchairs. You know, when when you have vision issues, but when you can't see at all, or when you see very little, yeah. and you still are able to travel independently, and you have all these obstacles in your way, you know. It's it's frustrating. Well, that's a great segue because now we're going to talk about our visually impaired ah. citizens. <laughs> For our visually, I honestly didn't know that, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> you did not know that. But our visually impaired citizens, other than Braille on the MetroCard kiosks, I haven't seen many other instances of Braille. Are there any other instances of Braille other than on the signposts that say the number of the, where you are, which is dangerously close to the platform edge of the platform? I haven't seen any other instances of Braille. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, I really don't know what the situation is when it comes to uh, Braille in the uh, transit system. But if I had to take a guess, I would say it's not very good. Yeah. Because I, 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 I'm trying to think. Looking around, you said that there was Braille in the kiosk. There's Braille in the kiosk. I, I actually did not know that. That's actually pretty interesting. It's on the buttons. Ah. Uh, but you have to know what, where the buttons are. That's another thing. You know, I, I've heard a lot of people in that community talk about um, just even down to the coloring and the tactile strips. Yeah. To letting them know, you know, where they are and how close they are to the uh, to the edge yeah. of, the, uh, of the of the subway platform. Um, I know Not the. All of them have yeah, I, I know the MTA is doing really good though when it comes to having the trains that say the say where you are. Right. But then you get on that old school train, which they're still out there, yeah. and then you, the, the, the conductor says nothing, yeah. <laughs> or you can barely hear what they're saying. It, it's very difficult to travel around the city, yeah. much much more than than you know anybody with a disability who's in a wheelchair when you are visually impaired. Yeah. And, and I, I don't know how they do it. I, I don't. I, I know this guy. I know a couple of guys, as a matter of fact. Mad respect for them. I really do. I mean, there's a couple of guys in my building who use accessorized, but they predominantly feel comfortable because of their disgust um, to travel by themselves. And I watch them, you know, these two guys in particular, um, Watson and Amadou. And I, I watch how they just travel around almost gracefully. And I know as easy as they make it look, I know in the back of their minds things that I don't even know about are frustrating them that should be different to better their needs and it's not being met as well. For our hearing impaired citizens, the MTA offers TTY over the phone yes. and sound on the metro cards. What else do they offer for them other than announcements that we can't even understand? I believe there's induction loops okay. on, the t on the ticket booth. 
Um, that's pretty much all that I know. To you be know honest. What, you know those fancy screens that they have at certain stations? They should just put like service announcements on them as they're happening. That, yeah. would, help, that would help all of us out. So, but they're not using them for that. You know those poles that you're supposed to hit a button yeah. and, and call if you need assistance? Yeah. Those things are completely flawed. Yeah. They don't work. Uh, and even the ones on the elevator itself. So, because the MTA, when um, when they build these elevators, they put the emergency call button, and they put it so close to the up-down button, and I constantly hit the emergency call button. But there's been times where I've hit that button by mistake, like I frequently do, and then I hit the regular, you know, call button for the uh, elevator car itself. And sometimes, depending on what station I'm in, the car takes a little while to come but no one ever answers and I'm thinking to myself if I was in a situation where I needed help or there was some type of an emergency no one would know because here I am waiting two minutes for someone to answer and no one's answered I don't know where those calls get routed to but it's no one <laughs> that's picking that's, up that's terrifying. yeah it's, it's actually kind of scary yeah someone should do something about that Someone, if someone knows, please let me know how that works out. Like, who's manning those things? Yeah. Emergency call system. If you could have Governor Cuomo, Bill de Blasio, and Andy Byford in a room together, what would you tell them? Get your act together. Get on the same page. Uh, this city, transportation-wise, is will never be anything positive unless all three of you are on the same page. And... It's that division right now is why we have a transportation system the way we do. There is a lack of respect for the disabled community when it comes to transit. There's a lack of respect for the, the community of New Yorkers in general when it comes to the transit system. If the, M if the MTA doesn't want to respect us, this is where the governor and the mayor should be saying, hey, listen, you serve the people. You're in, you're in this market for public service. We're giving you our money. So why not give us what we need? You know, why not do the things that, that, that other cities are doing for their people? You know, it, it's, it's shameful what's happening here. It's embarrassing and shameful. It is. It really is. It, it really is. And Think of all the tourist dollars they're losing because other, you know, dis disabled people from other places can't come here to traverse the city. And, 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 I, and I'm not saying this to be a fact or anything. This is just in my mind. You know, when you go to places like, you know, San Francisco and Boston and, 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 and even in Washington, I feel like New York, I feel like we do better when it comes to tourism. Yeah. You know, we, we have more people coming in, different parts of the world. You know, why is it that, that, that we are not where we should be? I mean, I can't even tell you how how far behind we are. Before we even started this, you said that the, that some subway tunnels are how old? Like a hundred years old. And, over a hundred years. Old. Over a hundred years on the signal system. The first tunnel that opened in 1904 at City Hall is still in service. Yeah. That, go, that goes uptown, and it hasn't really been seriously refurbished since 115 years ago when it opened. They're still in service. We got 40 year old cars. We got 80 year old signals and switches. But you, they got money for, you know, Second Avenue and East Side Access. And then you got pieces of, of infrastructure almost killing people. You know, uh, I don't understand 
how is it that the MTA, I mean, how the MTA doesn't have more lawsuits, I will never even know. Well, they probably do, we just don't know about them. Well, that is true too. It, it's crazy. Okay, in our remaining time, is there anything you'd like to share or express that we haven't already discussed? <sighs> I just really want to just, you know, like I said, we've been doing it, but just really pushing the, 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 the fact that, you know, accessible transportation is very important. Accessibility is very important. Access is a civil right. And if, if you're not providing a, a, a real comprehensive plan to provide a transportation, a transportation system that's going to work for everyone, it's time for you to just really take a step back, think about what you're doing, and really recommit yourself to start thinking about the people again. You know, people is what keeps the transit system alive, you know? Right. But without us, they, they they take so much of our money on a daily basis. People don't even know the numbers. One time I heard that the, the Midtown Tunnel alone, during rush hour, brings in a million dollars an hour. Think about that. I mean, why are you not giving us the service that we need? You know, they're terrible with money. Why is it that, 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 that we at Sydney and, 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 and other disability rights groups, why do we have to sue you and force you to, 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 to just give us what we want? You know, you should be wanting to work with us. You should be wanting to partner with us and, and, and just making this city what we claim it to be. You know, it, it's a joke right now, but we need to bring it back to a level of respect and, you know, no one should be, no one should have to be like, oh, I'm going to go take the subway. Oh, man. You know, like, it's a, it's a nice Saturday right now. You know, they, they got the St. Patrick's Parade going on. And, you know, they, they notoriously do a lot of their big construction work during the weekends. I should not have to be like, okay, well, not only am I not going to take the subways at all during the weekends, I'm not even going to go to certain stations because I know that I'm more likely going to run into a broken elevator. I should be able to get up and say, you know what, it's a Saturday, but I'm still going to go and ride the, the, the system with no problems, or I'm going to be able to go with my eyes closed and go to that bad station like Grand Central, which is a major transfer point in Manhattan, and you can't even keep an elevator working there. How is that possible? We need it to get. We need this to get together. I mean, the MTA, you must do better. True. <laughs> <laughs> Venting. It's all, it's all good. Yeah, it's annoying. <laughs> well, I thank you for your time and sharing your thoughts and your story. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you. So, what did we learn today from Dustin? We learned that the current state of the MTA in terms of accessibility is abysmal. The elevators are not only frequently broken, but they are in shocking condition in terms of cleanliness. Accessoride is not the most efficient or user-friendly. Ramps on buses are not always functional. However, the Ride Hail app, which is actually useful and helpful, is not necessarily safe from discontinuation. This app needs to stay. More needs to be done to make transit accessible and convenient 
for all of us. New York City falls behind every major American city when it comes to accessible public transit. Chicago has 100% accessible features on all lines of transportation. Chicago has 146 stations, and 100 of them have elevators or ramps, which is 70%. They intend to have all stations accessible in 20 years. Boston stations are about 90% accessible. BART in the Bay Area, MARTA in Atlanta, LA Metro, and Washington, D.C. are all 100% accessible. All of these cities can do this. Why can't we? Not only does a lack of accessibility take a physical toll on those simply trying to get from point A to point B, it takes an emotional toll. The stress of not knowing if the elevators are working properly at the start of your journey and at your destination, and then possibly having to double back or having the FDNY or the NYPD save you from your current predicament. Not being able to enjoy all the wonderful things this city has to offer because you can't get out of your own neighborhood. The unnecessary stress of being late to an appointment or your job or a very important job interview or simply not being able to spend time with friends and family. Per the ADA Act, which was first drafted in 1986 and finally passed into law in 1990, if a station is significantly modified, at least 20% of the renovations cost must be spent on ADA improvements. However, this does not seem to be the case here in New York City. For example, Smith and 9th Street was closed for two years for renovations and no elevator. Incidentally, Smith and 9th Street is the tallest station in the boroughs, and it does not have an elevator. And just on the R-Line, Bay Ridge Ave, Prospect Ave, and 53rd Street here in Brooklyn were all closed at the same time for renovations and nary an elevator in sight. What we do have is art to look at, glasswork, and lots of fancy informational screens with conflicting information on them. However, recently in the Southern District of New York, Judge Ramos in a recent judgment concluded in a recent lawsuit that when a public transit authority makes renovations, they must follow the ADA requirements requiring the installation of an elevator were technically feasible regardless of cost. In my research, the only way the MTA ever agrees to put in an elevator is when they have been sued and forced to. You would think that if the system is accessible to everyone, that means everyone wins. You would think in a civil society everyone winning would be a plus. Hopefully, going forward, elevators and ramps will just be part of the plan when renovating or building new stations. 
I would like to point out that elevators are for everyone. Our disabled citizens, the elderly, heavily pregnant ladies, those with strollers, and those who simply may be temporarily injured. However, it's not enough that you have these elevators. You have to maintain them and keep them clean. How hard is it to have someone go in once a day and sanitize the elevator? Considering that there's only 118 of them, it shouldn't take that long. But then again, the MTA deep cleans the interiors of the subway cars every 8 to 10 weeks, which is also unacceptable. Because it's important that we are all heard, if you are on social media, here are some people that you can reach out to. Sarah Meyer is the Chief Customer Service Officer for New York City Transit. She can be reached on Twitter at Sarah Meyer NYC. That's S-A-R-A-H-M-E-Y-E-R-N-Y-C. She's always asking for suggestions to improve the system. Let her know you would like to see the system improve for everyone. And please keep the Ride Hail app. Governor Cuomo's office can be reached on Twitter at NYGovCuomo. Also, his office phone number is 518-474-8390. Please let him know that the overall system needs to be accessible to everyone. And please keep the Ride Hail app. Mayor de Blasio can be, can be found at Bill de Blasio and at NYC Mayor and NYC Mayor's Office. Let him know that the system needs to be more accessible and please keep the Ride Hail app. Also, reach out to your council member, your borough president, your assembly person, your congressperson, and your senator. Tell them that the current state of accessibility is shameful and embarrassing and demand that they push for 100% accessible features across all lines of transportation and please keep the Ride Hail app. We cannot be considered the greatest city in the world until we accommodate everyone. So everyone can enjoy what the city has to offer because everyone matters. That's it, everyone. Thank you for listening, and I hope Dustin and I gave you something to think about and chew on. Remember, we're all in these tin cans together, and in order for this to work, we all have to participate. Or just be supportive and be in my amen corner. Here are some spots where you can reach out to Dustin and myself. And as the four tops once said, reach out and I'll be there. Thank you to Dustin Jones for sharing his story and thoughts on the lack of accessibility and the MTA. Follow him on Twitter at EqualAccessNY2, and that's the number two. If you would like more information regarding Sydney, www.sydney.org, and that's C-I-D-N-Y. Find me, email, podcastsarah at gmail.com. And Sarah is with an H. This podcast is hosted on Anchor.com. Twitter, at ExeneZoom. That's E-X-E-N-E-Z-O-O-M. 
where I employ the hashtag How's Andy's Commute whenever I complain to the MTA about my miserable commute or your miserable commute. You're welcome. And of course, hashtag Service Evasion. Instagram, lights at the end of the tunnel, one big word. Facebook, lights at the end of the tunnel. SoundCloud, lights at the end of the tunnel. Spotify, lights at the end of the tunnel. Google Podcast, lights at the end of the tunnel. Although this app is only available for Android users. Breaker Social Podcast, lights at the end of the tunnel. Radiopublic.com, lights at the end of the tunnel. Pocket Cast, lights at the end of the tunnel. Overcast, lights at the end of the tunnel. Cast Box, lights at the end of the tunnel. Thanks to Ox on the Roof for the intro music. Follow them on Twitter at Ox Roof Music. And SoundCloud, Ox on the Roof. And Instagram, Ox on the Roof. So reach out and share. The only way for this to be successful is to work together. We need to shine a light so bright they can't ignore us. Shine brightly, everybody.